Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, let me ask you a question. It's a simple question, but it's a question that that you need to know the answer to. Some of you have heard me share this story. It was in 1980, 81. I was on New Year's Day in Atlanta Airport. Any ever been to Atlanta Airport? Atlanta Airport is the busiest airport in the world. How many of you know that? It's the busiest airport in the world. Someone said, when you die, if you go to heaven or hell, Kenneth, you still change planes in Atlanta. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that's true, but, but that's what it feels like. And it was 1980, and flights were being canceled everywhere that you looked. I'm stuck in the airport with a, a famous Christian uh, minister, and, and I was, I, was a, I guess I must have been 20, 21, uh, and and all of these people are agitated and aggravated and, you know, flights are being canceled. Flight number 999 is canceled and flight number 23 has moved to gate number six. And people are just agitated. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so I'm just looking at all these people thinking there's a lot of people here that need Jesus and I'm a preacher. So I jumped up on a table and I said, uh, Delta Airlines would like to make an announcement. You know, Delta, the hub, is in Atlanta. Said so Delta Airlines would like to make an announcement. Could I have your attention? Could I have your attention, please? Delta Airlines would like to make an announcement. And he got real, real quiet. And I said, on behalf of Delta Airlines, we would like to wish you a happy new year. And then we would like to tell you that unless you give your life to Jesus, it will not be a new year. It'll be the same old year you had last year. On behalf of Delta Airlines, thank you. And then I ran to the bathroom and locked myself in a stall. I I didn't do that, but I did do the first part. Dr. Darius Daniels, one of our favorite preachers who's going to be here during spiritual renewal, says this. He says, in life, seasons change. Winter, spring, summer, fall. We go through moments like that. And he said, but if things remain the same in your life and they're challenging and they don't change, it's not a season, it's a cycle. And if you want next year to be the best year, how many of you want next year to be the best year of your life? then that means that there are some things that you are stuck in right now that are cycles that must change for this to change and you to change. Now, I'm sharing this with you as one of the most experienced persons here. Why? Because I'm one of the oldest people here. I've had 65 new January 1st. This will be my 65th. How many of you are not anybody here over 65 raise your hand that's the wisdom look at those give them some love and respect and honor right now okay and when they speak shut up and listen to them okay so so if you truly want things how many of you 2023 was a tough year for you raise your hand how many 2023 was a great year for you raise your hand 
Do, do you know that there are decisions you can make regardless of what happens to you or comes to you this year in the economy, in the election, with your finances, with your physical health, with your friendships, in your marriage, in your extended family, there are certain things that you can do now in preparing yourself that will ensure next year will be the best year of your life regardless of the circumstances. Would you like to know what that is? Okay, the rest of you just leave. Now, of course you would like to know. Well, how can I do that, Pastor? How can I know that for sure by making it the best spiritual year of your life? Okay, how did I say this could be the best year of your life? By making it the best? You know why? Because you are a spiritual being created in the image of God having a temporary physical experience on earth. Let me say that again. You are an eternal spiritual, having a temporary physical experience on, on earth, on earth. Now, now some of you look and you go, well, Pastor, how, why, are you, why are you saying that? Well, I, I did a funeral this week, as I do on many weeks. I've, I've done funerals for 17-year-olds. I did one here for a, a young man that was shot in a, in a gang situation. It's heartbreaking. Watching teenagers stare into a casket. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. This lady was a woman of God and lived and had a great life and children that followed the Lord and great legacy. But you realize the older you get. I'm 65 years old. I realize that the majority of my life is behind me. But the best of my life that's eternal is before me. One of the deceptions of, of, of being human is when you're young, you don't realize how quickly it passes. And all the old people said, amen. amen. Because, you, you know, on the outside, like you see people, I remember sitting across from my mother-in-law who went to be with the Lord just a few months ago. And I, she was probably that time about my age. And she said to me, she said, Jacob, I know I look 65 on the outside, but I want you to know on the inside, I'm still that young mother, that young wife. I'm still, I know that, I know on the outside, it doesn't look like that, but on the inside, that's how I feel. You are an eternal spiritual being having a temporary physical experience on earth. And the physical experience is going to be like this. This is 80, 90, 100 years, and the eternity is forever. But the decisions you make right now determine what happens in eternity. Now, how many of you are born again? Raise your hand. Okay, if you're born again, you're going to heaven. Okay, Christ is living inside of you. Hell doesn't want you. The devil doesn't like you. They don't take Christians in hell. Okay, if you're born again, but however much of your spiritual life that you experience now, truly experience, will determine whether you have heaven on earth before you get to heaven. So today, I want you to know how you can do that. Genesis 1.26 says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be what? Well, what is that image? Well, God is a spirit. Pastor, how do you know that? Because there's only one person that's been with God that came to tell us, and that was Jesus, the Son of God. And in John 4, 24, he says, speaking on earth, from now on, worshiping the Father will be a matter 
won't be a matter of the right place, but with a, for God is a what? He is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. So for this to be the best year of your life, it must be the best year of your life spiritually. Why? Because the purpose of life is getting to know God. Someone said the two greatest days of your life, the first one is the day you were born, and the second one is the day you find out why. You were born to know God. And that's why the greatest moments of your life is when you felt closest to God. And that's true for all of us. John 17, 3, Jesus is speaking and he looks around and he says, and this is the real and eternal life, that they would know you, the only one and only true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent. So let me ask you a question. What are your greatest dreams and desires? If I asked you today, write down your greatest dreams and desires right here on this piece of paper. Right now, right now. Your greatest dreams. If, if everything went to the best of my wishes and plans, and you write that on the back of there. Well, pastor, why would you want me to do that? Because let me tell you what John 10, 10 says. John 10, 10 says, and the thief is only there to steal and to kill and destroy. But I came so they could have a real and eternal life, a more and a what? Then they what? That means that whatever you write down is your dream. It doesn't even scratch the surface of what God wants for you. That's why God always gives the best to those who leave the choice with him. Because his desire is far greater than yours. He knows what you don't know. He sees what you don't see. He knows what you actually need. So how do I ensure this will be my best year spiritually? I don't know if you've heard about the guy who had two fighting dogs. I don't know if you know this, but Cajuns have done dog fighting. Did you know that? And rooster fighting. And if rats could fight and they could bet on them, they do that too. But there was a man who came and he started over in Sunset because that's where they have, they actually have in Sunset, they actually do a, a place that's honed out in the ground where roosters fight. It's like a little arena. How many of you knew that? How do you know that? Just, 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 we'll talk later after church. No worry. We're not outing you. I don't, not yet. So he, he started there with these two dogs. They were bulldogs. One was black and it was very large and the other one was white and it was smaller and and people would bet on these two dogs and then they would fight same two dogs well because the white dog was so much bigger than the black dog everyone would immediately the first night bet on bet on the white dog but the owner bet last and he bet on the black dog and guess which one won so the next night, everybody came back, same place, same two dogs fought. Guess who everybody bet on now? And then the white dog won. And then he left. And he went to Crowley. And he did the same thing there. Sure enough, the first night, everybody bet on the biggest dog, and the other dog won, and he was the last one that bet. He did that twice, and he left there, and he went to New Iberia. A guy started following him, and he followed him around around eight or ten places, and finally he pulled him over to the side. He said, listen, he said, i got to ask you a question. He said, what's that? He said, I've been following you now 
for weeks, and, and every time I think I know which dog is going to win, the other dog wins, but you're never wrong. How do you know which dog is going to win that day? And he said, it's easy. Whichever dog I feed that day, that's the one that wins. And you are an eternal spiritual being having a temporary physical experience on earth. And whichever one you feed that day as a born-again child of God, that's the one that wins. You see, when, 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 I, began, when I began to know God and my spirit begins to be fed, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, things begin to grow in my life that weren't there before. But they're called fruits. They're fruits of my spiritual life of knowing God. They're called fruits of the fruits of the Spirit. What are they? Galatians 5.22, Paul tells us. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit, which is the result of God's presence within us, is unselfish concern for others and an inner what? Peace and patience. Read this with me. Not the ability to wait, but how I act while I'm... Not just the ability to wait, but how I act while I'm waiting. Kindness. What's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? Do you know what? Self-control is when my spiritual life controls my physical life. Do you realize that today we have baptized everyone's physical desires as legal and right? Is it true? Okay, let me just a simple question. Should I eat as much as I want to eat? What if I have a desire and I still have an appetite? Shouldn't I be able to eat? Are you going to just tell me that I can't be big if I want to be? Who are you to judge me about my bigness? You're just small. Do you know that we've done that with sexual desires? And if anyone has sexual desires that are out of control, just like their physical appetites are out of control, they put a name on it and they claim that as their own and it becomes sacred and you can't touch it. Let me share something with you. If your appetites to eat are out of control, it's unhealthy and you will go to heaven, but you're going to go to heaven before me and before your time because you're doing things that are unhealthy for you, and it's not the way God best created you to live on earth. And if you give in to all of your sexual appetites, they will destroy your life. They will destroy your life. I've never met an older man that didn't notice an attractive woman. Honey, he's not talking about me. <laughs> yeah, I, no, no, no. Well, what keeps you pure? Self-control. Where does that come from? God. How does that come? By being spiritually stronger than you are physically strong? You see all the people that are all swollen up, jacked up at different gyms, you know, just... <sighs> A 90-pound woman come walking by and they go. They can lift 400 pounds but can't control their appetites. 
I, I, I hate to say this, and they're not really mine, but I have two dogs. Why do I hate to say that? I hate dogs. I know what you're saying, Pastor. You don't know my Fifi. If you knew Fifi, you would love Fifi. Fifi is, I hate Fifi. Just, I, 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 I know Fifi might be in your will. Fifi might eat scrambled eggs across from you. Okay, I don't like Fifi. Okay, I believe in G-O-D, not D-O-G. Okay. But, 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 but Haddon has a dog, and because he has a dog, and he's gone all the time, I don't know why they call it his dog, because the person that takes care of it is, is me. And we, we live on some property, and so this dog's cage is probably, probably the size of that screen times two. So it's got basically his old yard to roam in. And when I let the dog out twice a day, the dog just darts off like he's been locked up in a room in a closet. And, and you can't get him back in. Like you could, I used to have a shock collar. That was the only way I could get him back in. So <clears throat> I, I, I just got so tired of doing that and recharging the thing and you'd lose the thing that shocked him. And, you know, we live on some acreage. So everybody's going, well, why don't you just put a shocking fence all the way around? You know, why don't we get a dog that listens? How about that? Okay, when children don't listen, you don't get a shocking fence. Probably need to, but you don't. And so I discovered something. It's like a miracle. Like the cheapest hot dogs you can buy are bar something hot dogs. What are they called? Yeah, those things, I mean, they put them on sale, 400 hot dogs for $1.99. <laughs> Who knows what is in those hot dogs? Maybe dogs in those hot dogs. Come to think of it, it just hit me. And, and that dog will just be, he's not going to listen to you. Look at me. I pull out one hot dog. He goes. I mean, it's like he's mesmerized by one. What's the name of it? Bar what? Bar cheap hot dog. He, he's mesmerized by that one hot dog. How many of us are such a slave to our physical appetites? The enemy just pulls out some cheap hot dog and you just... Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit that grows inside of you. And it says, and against such there is no law. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. What does that mean along with his passions and appetites? It means they are feeding their spirit and submitting to that more than they ought to their physical appetites. There's nothing wrong with physical appetites is that they're temporary. They just have to be in the right place. Isn't this interesting? The two greatest desires there are in life are to eat and to be intimate with someone. And in 15 minutes, both of those go from the greatest desire in the world to nothing. You ever had an envie for crawfish? I hope you haven't had any lately. Joseph brought Rochelle some crawfish. Okay? And, and, and she wanted crawfish. Nobody had crawfish, so he found a friend that had some. He, I think they got them out of an aquarium. They're about this big. And, and Joseph said, they were so small. They were so small. How many know when crawfish season comes in? Come on now. How many can't wait right now? Come on, you can't wait. 
How many of you got an RV right now? You want to leave here and find some crawfish after I preach this. Okay. Do you know what happens about this fourth, fifth pound? The ninth pound? By the tenth pound, you don't even want to see another crawfish. Why? Because your physical appetites, God reveals to you, even in the greatest ones, that they all are temporarily satisfying only. There's only one thing that is eternal satisfying, and that's that which is spiritual. So, Pastor, how, how can I ensure this will be the best year of my life? I, I want to give you a challenge, and I want to start by asking you, how many hours are in a day? 24. Okay, y'all did good. Some graduates at Dusan High. Okay, 24. All right. Now, you know, each time Pastor, Pastor Blake shared with us when we talked about tithing. And what is tithing? It's giving the first 10% of our income to God. Why? Because either we trust in God or we trust in our money. And the way God keeps that in check is by us honoring him first. That's how. Because otherwise, you're like, oh, no, I got to. We, our hearts are prone to, to, to do that, to put our confidence in our money. Jesus said we're going to serve God or money. So that's the way he keeps that in check. Now watch this. Let's suppose that we tithe one minute out of 24 hours. And in 2024, we gave God the first 24 minutes of our day. What, 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 what do you think would change? My friend, Pastor Chris Hodges, who usually preaches this Sunday for us, says this. When you look back on something, collect the data evaluate the results, celebrate the wins, confront the facts, and then he says this, decide what one thing could I do that would make me better. What one thing, not a million things, what one thing could I do? Today, I want to give you that one thing. Today, I want to give you that one thing. I want to teach you today on how to take the first 24 minutes of every day of 2024 and watch it radically change your life. How many of you struggle with worry? Raise your hand. This will change your life. Anxiety? Raise your hand. This will change your life. Fear? Raise your hand. It will change your life. If you're struggling with addiction, this has changed your life. If you're struggling with porn, this will change your life. And I'm going to give you the science behind it here in just a bit. But here are the four things I want to challenge you to do with your first 24 minutes. Number one, begin with worship. Say that with me. Begin with worship. We begin every service with worship. Why? Because the Bible says God lives in the praises of his people. So whenever we begin to worship, God himself shows up. You ever been talking about somebody and they show up and you go, speak of the devil. Okay, watch this. When you start worshiping God, it's speak of the Lord because he shows up. How do I know that? Jesus told us in John 4, 23. But a time is coming and already is here where true worshipers will worship the Father. In what? From the, the inner self and in truth. For the Father is... 
seeking such people to be his worshipers. You ever feel like you can't find God? Start worshiping him. He'll find you. He'll find you. So in the morning, I put on, I don't know what your favorite worship is. Mine is elevation. Okay, and if elevation's on a bad roll, I'll go to upper room. If upper room isn't where I am, I'll go to Bethel. And I speak to the only woman that listens to me in my house, Alexa. She gets unplugged if she doesn't listen to me again. <laughs> but I go, Alexa, play elevation worship. Okay? And, and it, that's the first thing I do in the morning. First thing. Nobody's up. Alexa, elevation. And, and the song comes on. And I just literally start walking around a table. It's almost every morning of my life. Just worshiping. That's all I do. Just worship. That's all I do. I, I just worship. W- what happens when I worship God shows up. Say that with me. God shows up. He he is his presence. He shows up. And do you know what happens when he shows up? Look at Psalms 97 verse 5 and listen to a little shepherd boy who became a king to what he said. The mountains will melt like at what? In other words, you can be dealing with things that look overwhelming to you. But when you get in the presence of God, what happens to them? Isn't it amazing? When I get in the presence of God and worship, perspective changes for me. You know who knew that? A little shepherd boy. Remember what made him famous? He did what? Goliath was nine feet tall. He went out and faced Goliath when he was 14 years old. And when he walked down that hill, that little worshiping boy, everybody kept saying, look how big Goliath is and look how small David is. And David kept saying, look how big God is and look how small Goliath is. It's perspective. When I worship, I gain perspective. Do you know that worry is worshiping your problem? C'est bon. Worship is worshiping your problem. Oh, you don't believe me. I'm in a bind. I'm in a bind financially. I'm in a, does that change anything? All it does is make your hill into a mountain and your mountain into a larger mountain. But when I worship, the hills melt like wax. They melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. I gain perspective. Here's the second thing I want you to do with the second seven minutes. Begin to, begin to what? Talk out loud to God. Say that. Talk. I know some of you, but Pastor, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I'm not a like a, I don't like talk out loud. Like, let me ask you a question. What if the most important people in your life never heard you talk out loud to them? How happy would your wife be if you didn't speak to her, you just thought, I love you? You you should know what that look means. How would it make your children feel if you never said, I love you? You just gave them the look like, Look at me. You speaking, you speaking to God does something on the inside of you. 
It does something on the inside of you. The Apostle Paul, chained up in a prison cell next to a Roman guard, said this, don't be pulled in different directions. Another translation says, worried. Or worried about what? Here's the alternative. Be saturated in throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before with overflowing, what's his next part? Say it out loud. Tell him, does God know the details of your life? But why do I need to tell him then? This is so good, y'all. This is good. Do you know that if you don't tell God, you will tell somebody? Man, what's wrong with you? You really want to know what's wrong with me? Or women. Hey, girl, let me tell you what that man is doing again. I know, I told you I should have left him like I did my last husband. (laughs) Women are going to tell somebody. Men are going to hold it in until they finally tell somebody. Tell him every detail of your life. It says this, then God's what? His what? Wonderful peace that transcends human will guard your and your. Both of them need to be guarded. Your heart and your mind both need to be guarded. Why does it make such a difference when you tell God? Because peace always follows prayer. Because you can tell your best friend everything going on wrong with you or your situation or your marriage or your child. But look at me. They can't give you peace and they can't give you their presence to keep you. But if you go to God, you tell him, you give it to him in exchange for your problem. He gives you his presence and he gives you his peace to carry you. Number three, begin reading your Bible with the book of John, seven minutes. Now we're at 21 minutes. So the first one is seven minutes of Seven minutes of? Okay, that, that's kind of weak. Seven minutes of? Worship. Second one, seven minutes of? Prayer. Third one is, begin reading your Bible with the book of John. Do, do you know what happens when I read my Bible? What happens when I read my Bible is my faith grows. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by and hearing what? The word of God. The more I hear the word of God, the more I hear about God, his character, his faithfulness, his goodness, his kindness, the more I grow spiritually. The more I grow spiritually. Do you know why you might be living in fear? Because you listen to three hours of news and read three minutes of the peace of God. Maybe if you reverse that, you might change. When I do it, I hear the word of God. Others hear the word of God. My faith grows. Well, why is my faith so important, Pastor? Faith gives me access to everything Jesus gave me on the cross with his blood. How many of you have ever had a credit card? Okay, if you don't have one, don't go get one just because of this illustration. Okay, all a credit card does, a debit card, is it gives you access to what you have in the bank. It doesn't matter how much you have in the bank if you don't have a way to access it. Faith helps you access everything that grace has paid for for you. You can access peace. You can access joy. You can access rest. You can access provision. 
It's a privilege that comes to us as full sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, 14 says this, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of and who do not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading back into the fear of, read this with me, the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. Come on, never say that with me. You will never feel for he rises up within us and our spirits are joined in him saying the words of tender affection, Abba, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, our spirits, what? You are God's. This is your real ancestry.com. This is your real ancestry.com. This right here. You see, Words on a paper are nothing more than thoughts that somebody put down. So when you read the New Testament, you read God's thoughts about you. His thoughts about you. Many years ago, and my children were born. None of them are here, so I'm going to say this. I began a tablet for them the day they were born. Just a spiral notebook. And I was traveling 15 to 25 days a month, and I knew the day would come. When they would say, Daddy, you were always gone. You were traveling and speaking. Do you know what you missed? Do you know what? And so I began this journal about each one of them. And at significant moments, I gave Joseph his when he got married. I, I've given them. And when they look, it's, you're two years old and Daddy left today. You were crying and so was I. It is my thoughts about them. This is God's journal about you. His journal about you. His great love for you. His great love that embraces you, that whispers and says, you are my beloved child. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Fill your mind with it. It's God's thoughts. And it will teach you to learn God speaking to you because God's voice sounds a whole lot like his word. And finally, number four. We're at 21 minutes now. The first seven are? Second seven are? Third seven are? One chapter of the Bible. Take you seven minutes. Here's the fourth one. Confess God's truth over your life and over your family. You know, you, you can stand up. I haven't even heard people brag. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I remember one time Christian was like this little girl, doctor's daughter in Mandeville. Doctor said, well, what do you do? He said, well, Christian said, well, I play basketball. I'm great. And the doctor said, well, does anybody think you're great besides you? I never thought about that. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself, okay? It's what God thinks about you and what's true. And what's true. So God says, how many of you here are born again? Raise your hand, okay? Then I want you to say this with me. I am a born again, blood-washed, 
spirit-filled child of the living God. Let's try one more time. I am a That's what God says about me. On the days I feel like that, I'm a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled child of God. On the days that I feel down, I'm a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled child of God. On the days that I don't feel worthy, I'm a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled child of God. I, I'm glad that my adopted daughter, Amberly doesn't act like some of the people that I pastor. Because... She'd stand at the outside of the door at 21, 22 years old and go, Daddy, can I come in? Go, why? I just, I don't know. Like I was adopting this family. I just need to be sure. Am I worthy? What? Are you out of your mind? Of course you're worthy. You're as worthy as Jacob and Christian and Joseph. Well, Joseph is the favorite. I don't know. He seemed to be more worthy than everybody else. But anyways, you, 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 of course you're worthy. Can you imagine me sitting in my house and her going, Daddy, could, could I get something out of the refrigerator? Like, what? Like, I, I, know, that, I know that Haddon can go to the refrigerator because he's your real son, but, but, but can I? Because I've been adopted. You and I have been adopted into the family of God, and we are born again, blood-washed, spirit-filled, children of the living God, and everything that belongs to every child of God and to Jesus belongs to you and me. Let me read a few verses to you in close. You may want to take a picture of these. John 1, 12. But to all who, how many of you believe in him? And accepted him, he gave the right to become... Are you a child of God? Okay. Revelations 1, 5, and 6. How many of you done some bad things? Raise your hand. How many done some really bad things you don't want anybody to know about? Stand up and tell us about it. No. <laughs> Revelations 1, 5, and 6 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. We all believe that, right? To him who... And from our... In his own, if you don't accept forgiveness, no matter how bad it was, you're denying the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. I've done some horrible things. I've done some horrible things before I knew Jesus. I hope no one ever finds out about. But I am so thankful that the one that loves me the most has forgotten it and will never, ever remember it again. And he's not only forgiven me of it, but he's washed that from my life. It's no longer a part of my life. It's not who I am. Because I'm a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled child of God. 1 Peter 2, 23 says this, For you have been born again, not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last because it comes from the living word of Here's the promise for your children. Come on, mamas and grandmothers, you're going to want to take this one. Acts 16, 31. So he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your I don't care where your children are right now. If you're here in this house and you're a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled child of God, the Bible says you and your household will be saved. They may not be saved now, but they're on their way because it's the promise of God. And I confess that over my family every day. 
Joshua 24, 15. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself the day that you will serve, whether God or which is your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land that you dwell. But as for me, come on, read this with me. And we will serve the Lord. Come on, as for me and my house, we will we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. How many of you want this year to be different? Look at me. You give God the first 24 minutes, and in 30 days, your life will be transformed. Do you know it's statistically true? Two and a half years ago, a study was done of people that attended church and read their Bibles. For the people that attended church once a week but didn't read their Bibles, there was no statistical difference between worry, fear, anxiety, addiction, pornography, depression. For the people that attended church and read their Bible once or twice a week, there was no statistical difference between worry, fear, anxiety, depression, pornography, addiction. For the people that read their Bible four days a week and attended church, 60 to 70% less likely to struggle with fear, anxiety, depression, pornography, and addiction. Why? Because whichever dog you feed, that's the one that wins. That's the one that wins. The greatest joy you'll ever know, look right here, is knowing God. And all the lies of the enemy, he's mad at you. You're not good enough. It's a lie. It's all lies. It's lies that your father would never tell you. I've walked all of my children to their destiny except their last one, and he's half three-quarters of the way there. On their worst day, I never said you're unworthy. On their worst day, I never said I'm not your daddy. On their worst day, I never said you're unworthy. And if I'm a human being and that's the kind of daddy I am, what kind of a father do you think that he is? So I want you to say this with me. Come on. When Michelle and I were in Israel, one of the things that just got me when I was around the Jewish family that hosted us was every time they called their daddy, you know what they would call him? Abba. It means daddy. Abba. Abba. And Paul tells us that the spirit inside of us cries out to God, Abba. Daddy. Daddy. Would you say with me, Abba? He's your daddy. That's who he wants to be. That's who he wants to be. That's who he wants to be. Whether you had a good daddy or a bad daddy, he's the best daddy there is. Abba. So before I pray, I want to give you some keys. Number one, be consistent. Like everything, what you do most, you do best. Didn't matter what it is. If you worry all the time, that's what you do best. If you fight all the time, that's what you do best. Be consistent. Here's the second one. Keep it simple. Don't make this heavy. Don't make this like, oh. <sighs> Chapter day keeps the devil away. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't make this. This isn't a have to. This is a get to. Here's the next one. Look at me. If you miss a day, it's okay. Start the next day. 
The devil's going to look at you. Oh, you already messed up. You already, man, you, you're not into two days into 24. What kind of Christian are you? No, don't, don't look at me. The Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. <laughs> every morning. So, Father, give me strength today. Now, how many of you will take this challenge with me? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. Father, today, you see the many hands that have gone up. People that have said they want to meet you before they meet anybody else. They want to talk to you before they talk to anybody else. They want to worship you before they give honor to anyone else. They want to read from this treasure, the word of God, your thoughts about us. Your thoughts about us. Today, I ask you, Abba, Daddy, divinely embrace every one of your precious children that you love. Embrace them today. You're not the God that's mad at them sitting on the throne. You're the Father that chases them down because you love them and long to know them and be with them. Just take a deep breath right now. Holy Spirit, just come and let us sense the embrace of Abba. Holy Spirit, come right now. Holy Spirit, you're here. You're here, Father. You're here. You're here. Come now. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You say, Pastor, what, what does that mean? I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start, but that's not what Jesus said. Every person born since Adam and Eve has been born spiritually dead. And as you discovered today, God is a spirit. So the only way you can know him is to be spiritually resurrected, just as Jesus was resurrected. What actually happens when you receive him, this great lover of your soul who's been chasing you, you become spiritually resurrected. And the God that loves you, you finally stop so that he can embrace you and reveal himself to you. Jesus spoke to a religious leader named Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, you can't enter into it. And Nicodemus said, what are you talking about? How can I be born all over again? I'm an old man. And he said, what's born of the body is the body, but what's born of the spirit is of the spirit. Spiritually, you must be born again. Have you been born again? Today, you can be. Pastor, again, I, I've joined. I've, I've been christened. That's a good start. But Jesus said you must be born again. That's when the spiritual resurrection happens. That's when your sins are forgiven. The blood of Jesus washes you and cleanses you, empowers you, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. But you say, Pastor, today, that's what I want. I want to go into this new year a new person resurrected, spiritually alive, sins forgiven, Christ living inside of me so that I can know him. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, when I count to three, I'm going to just ask you to raise your hand. 
praying this prayer, it only happens once, just like the day you were born. One, that God brought you here. Two, nothing is ever an accident. Nothing. Even the circumstances that have happened around the holidays that have brought you now. God was using them. And now's your time to be born again, to know him. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. I'm going to pray for you. Lift it high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Anywhere else? Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Anywhere else? Anywhere else? Okay. 15. Last 10 seconds, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. I want to know God. I know I'm spiritually dead. I want to be spiritually alive. I want to know him. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. I don't know why I didn't raise my hand. If that's you and you didn't raise your hand yet, I'm asking this last time for you. Raise it and wave it at me. Join these 15. Wave it at me. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. All right. 21. Now, church, let's pray out loud with all of those that raise their hand. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and most importantly, a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I turn away from sin to be born again, to be spiritually raised from the dead. Today, I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate those who prayed that prayer to be born again? We honor you. We bless you. Hey, before you move, I want to speak to those, especially for those of you that prayed the prayer to be born again for the very first time. Your next step is water baptism. So listen, before you leave, I see some of you doing this right now. Before you leave, make sure you fill out that blue connection card that I mentioned earlier in the service. Check the box that best describes the the decision that you've made here today. And you could either leave it in your pew, one of our ushers will pick that up, or you could turn it into our team at the next steps area. But make sure, listen, it's, it's super important. Make sure you fill that card out if you made a decision here today so that we as the church, we can follow up with you and help you with your next steps. And then of course, I want to encourage all of you before you leave, make sure if you haven't done this already, take a prayer request card with you home, okay? Uh, prayerfully consider, God, how do, you, how do you want me to write this prayer request, this praise report, so that next week we can begin our week of prayer and fasting, praying and standing in agreement with you. Amen, everybody? Awesome. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. What a great day it's been in the house of God. Before we're dismissed, let me bless you. You can open up your hands if you want to receive it this way. You could just receive this. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. And may he bless you in your going out and coming in. And all that you set your hand to for his kingdom, may he prosper it and may he bless it. I bless you in the name of the Father, his son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next year. Prayer team down front.
Resurrection power in His name.